Shit We've Read is a proud member of Bilo Network, a network of geeky podcasts. Please visit shitweavered.com to support the show. Now let's talk about some books. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Shit We've Read, a sci-fi fantasy book podcast hosted by some geeky friends. I am today's host, Laura Benson, and I am here with my co-hosts, Jason Rico. Hello. How's it going, Laura? Good, as usual. Nice to have you back on. Likewise. <laughs> Glad you can join us for this one. <laughs> yes. It's nice to be back. Um, and then we have Bella Romero. Hello. Hi. Excited to have you here and have our other guest here. Yes, we have a returning guest host. You heard her voice on episode 13 for Major Detours. Director, actor, producer, and co-founder of Empire Arts Collective. Welcome back to the show, Jessely Windhouse. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, excited to have you back. That was a that was a fun and interesting episode. That was very fun. <laughs> I was just thinking about how much more chill this one will be because that one was a choose your own adventure and it was very yeah. yeah. Oh my yes. gosh. Yeah, the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the first and the last choose your own adventure. <laughs> For Rico's sanity's sake. (laughs) The editing did not sound like a fun process. (laughs) Well, Jesse, we are very excited to have you back on and and discussing a book that is a little smoother. (laughs) A little bit more linear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we we jump into it, um, the book that we're going to discuss this month is... Blood Like Magic by LaSalle Sambury. It's a YA urban fantasy. So we're pretty excited to discuss this. But first, really quick, I want to know what is the shit we're reading other than this book? Jessly, have you, have you read anything before this one? I have never. This is my first book. I have never read anything before. Oh my before. God, congrats. What? <laughs> Um, no, I'm not reading anything <laughs> currently. No. Um, I don't think, right? Yeah, no. The end. Well, I'm glad that we, we were able to get you to read this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jason, what about you? Uh, well, the book, I just finished Babel by R.F. Kwong. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was amazing and deserved as much praise as everybody else is giving it. Um, and then currently I'm making my way through Ordinary Monsters by J.M. Miro, um, which is like kind of like X-Men slash Umbrella Academy oh. in Victorian times. What? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's that seems right up your alley. Yeah, that's why I wanted to read it. It's about some... Kids who are called talents, they all have powers, and someone's going around and hunting them, maybe. I apparently am making my way through some pretty beefy books, because this one's 600 pages. Ooh. I think Babel's, like, almost 600 pages, high mm-hmm. 500s. Um, the one before that I listened to was 600 pages. So um, I'm going big or going home for the end of the year. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. Bella? Um, I just started reading like as my nightly audio book, the reluctant Royals, like romance book series. So I'm on the first one called a princess in theory. 
very it's very fun. It's very silly. Um, so I've enjoyed that. But yeah, other than that, I've I've really struggled with reading this month. Um, so we'll get to that more in a little bit. <laughs> Laura, what have you been reading? Um, I am slowly working my way through a closed and common orbit by Becky Chambers. It's the second book in the Wayfarers series. Yeah. Which we discussed the first book with Emma Skies in our first or second episode. I think that was our second episode, yeah. June of last year. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a while ago. So I was like, I should probably start picking this up and finish out this this series. And I like it so far. Um this one is it's not what I expected. It's not necessarily a continuation of the first book, but it's characters that were from the first book. And so it's it's been really interesting kind of um following the an AI basically and her trying to like integrate into society um on this other planet. So it's it's been kind of cool just to see the perspective from from the AI. There's some cool concepts that I hadn't thought about before and I read a lot of of robot AI books so mm-hmm. it was kind of a cool new refreshing kind of take on it Ooh, that sounds interesting so i'm excited to finish that <laughs> well i'm glad you're finally getting to it because i've been wanting <laughs> you to read this one forever because it's right I up know. your alley because ai i know <laughs> well i'm doing it now <laughs> good <laughs> um but yeah so that's what i'm on right now um well let's get into it then uh, again, the book we are talking about is Blood Like Magic by LaSalle Sambury. It's a young adult urban fantasy. Let's see. Jason, would you be interested in reading the synopsis? Sure, I could do that. Let me pull it up. All right. The synopsis off of Goodreads goes as follows. An urban fantasy debut following a teen witch who was given a horrifying task. After years of waiting for her calling, a trial which every witch must pass in order to come into their powers, the one thing Voya Thomas didn't expect was to fail. When Voya's ancestor gives her an unprecedented second chance to complete her calling, she agrees, and then is horrified when her task is to kill her first love. And this time, failure means every Thomas witch will be stripped of their magic. Voya is determined to save her family's magic no matter the cost. The problem is, Voya has never been in love. So for her to succeed, she'll first have to find the perfect guy and fast. Fortunately, a genetic matchmaking program has just hit the market. Her plan is to join the program, fall in love, and complete her task before the deadline. What she doesn't count on is being paired with the infuriating Luke. How can she fall in love with a guy who seemingly wants nothing to do with her? With mounting pressure from her family, Voya is caught between her morality and her duty to her bloodline. If she wants to save their heritage and Luke, she'll have to find something her ancestor wants more than blood. And in witchcraft, blood is everything. And scene. That's a long, that's a long synopsis. Good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you for reading that. Welcome. Before we get into anything spoilery, I want to know what your um, non-spoiler first impressions was of this book. Jessely, would you like to go first? Sure. I'm wondering if anyone else was reading this book and thinking like, oh, this is kind of like Encanto, you know? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Like, yeah. Some, some games, right? Like a magical uh-huh. 
all living under one roof and they get their gifts and there's like a lot of disgrace and not getting your gift and like you know the magic possibly running out of the family you know a lot of absolutely yeah um i thought it was really interesting how they blended sci-fi and fantasy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i also thought it was just cool how like they added in a lot of sort of like color and texture to the story it wasn't all like you know hyper focused on the plot 100 percent of the time it was like they kind of weaved other things in there that were relevant to the character which i liked um and i really thought that they made a really rich world i really enjoy when they create a somewhat complicated um lore behind a story so i kind of enjoyed i enjoyed that part of the of the story yeah nice i'm really glad you said the encanto thing because that definitely came to mind mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in, a, in a positive note not not like a derivative yeah. kind of thing i did i really like that and yeah. for anybody who's read cemetery boys by aiden thomas um i also kind of felt like it had similar vibes to that of of the main character wanting their magic to kind of come in and wanting to do right by their family but that being called into question so i i mean we've talked about this in the past uh, urban fantasy is like my jam and um and i really like this world that was created uh, immediately i was able to really get into it and the magic system made sense to me the the world that this took place in made sense to me i was very surprised by the the sci-fi element to it and how mm-hmm. prevalent the sci-fi element was to this. I was expecting, especially by the cover and the synopsis, like a very traditional YA fantasy about a young witch. Mm. But there is a lot of sci-fi to this, um, which was pleasantly surprising and and made it just even richer and, and gave more to really sink my teeth into. Yeah, but overall, I really enjoyed this book. I also really enjoyed it. I felt like it had kind of a slow start. So it took me a little bit to get into it. Um, like it, it, it focused heavily on characters too, like trying to, trying to have you get to know the characters involved, um, which I understand why that was important. Um, but getting into it in the beginning didn't really understand that. So it took a little bit of time. But I, um, I ended up going back and forth between the book and audiobook. And uh, I think the audiobook did kind of help get into it a little bit more. Because, you know, the, depending on the narrator, they kind of give people a little bit more personality than what you might hear in your head when you're reading. So that was kind of cool. I did also very much like how they how the author integrated science fiction into it. Um, it felt more realistic in a way. Because um, I think this book technically takes place in the future mm-hmm. it's not present day um so tech is a little bit different but i liked that they're very much a family with magic but they've also embraced technology like uh-huh. it's just normal for them to have this technology and and uh you know how they they use it and and whatnot can't get into too much detail yet but that was a really cool aspect of it i think the representation overall was really great there was all kinds of different characters which I was I didn't expect that at all I don't Mm -hmm. I don't think anything really hinted towards that so like we had a lot of different um 
orientation and and like I think we had we had a trans couple of trans characters and and stuff like that. And so that was really cool to see that representation and have some of some of the the topics addressed that you know we see still today related to LGBTQ issues. So I, I very much enjoyed enjoyed this book overall. Bella. Yeah, so my non-spoiler first impression um, was really similar to all of yours. Uh, I also had a really hard time starting the book, um, which might be why I had a hard time finishing it. Um, so I'm really curious to get into spoilers. I know, I know, you guys. It was... So I started with the audiobook, which I actually had the opposite effect, Laura. I didn't like it as much. I think it spent too much time developing like character personalities to where I had a hard time like getting into the story. And I had a hard time following along with it because I was trying to listen to it like while I worked or cleaned. And I just felt like I was there were so many. I mean, she has a family of nine. Um And so that's nine different people that you're trying to get to learn in the first like 10, 15% of the book. And so I just kept like, I had to stop and start and stop and start and go back um, with the audiobook. And that's when I switched to the Kindle finally. And that was much better for me personally. But I did appreciate the LGBTQ representation of the book. I, I understood what you meant by like the way that they talked about it was different, but still like similar enough. Like it was like gender and pronouns and, you know, trans folks were all handled with much more grace and like more of that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just, they're here in our world. And this is a thing we don't even think about. And, um, I think even the way that the author handled, you know, racism, race being like, you know, we're black and it's not really a thing I think about anymore other than maybe the small, like microaggressions that, you know, somebody doesn't, think that I, you know, I'm smarter than I should be or that I am black and they didn't think I was black when I, you know, wrote them a message or something. The way in which she interacts with that world was very interesting given that this is only set in 2049. Um it just felt so different. Um so I found that really interesting, you know, that's only what year is it? 2022. Um it's not yeah. that Yeah, it's not that far in, in the future. I had a lot yeah. of questions because I mean, not that, that, that you're yeah. saying that racism was fixed by then, but it seemed no. like it's a different world and like that. Uh, the way I, the world's so, going, I don't, I don't feel like we're going to be there at 2049. So that was that was sort of one of my main discussion points that I would love to talk about was just you know the fact that it's 2049 and all of this technology, all of this progression in like gender, race, equity. That's a long way to go in the next like. 30 years, um, 28-ish, 27 years. So I found that really interesting. Um, and I think that's also where I had a hard time like figuring out where we were in the book at first. Like, mm-hmm. you know, our I, I didn't, the sci-fi elements really threw me off at first too. I think that was another reason I had a hard time diving in was I thought this was going to be just witchy magic book. And then you've got science and technology and like gene sequencing. And I was like, oh my God, okay, this is like a very different vibe. I'm not ready for this right now. Um, so that definitely, you know, took me a while to get into, but I really enjoyed it. Like I just like in the last 24 hours read 
like another 50% of the book because that's how much I liked it. Like it was really good and it breezed through really quickly. Um, and I liked where it was going. Um, so overall really liked the book, but I definitely have some thoughts and like, would love to talk about that with y'all as we dive into spoiler impressions. Um, I also have a couple of predictions of somebody who didn't finish the book that I'm so curious to see (laughs) what actually happens. I think this book was really good at keeping me on my toes in terms of like where the story was going, but yeah, I don't know. Is this our official spoiler? Does anyone want to say non-spoiler things or can we dive in? I'm ready. I can jump into spoilers. Cool. Um, I think the biggest thing I wanted to know from you guys, so Boya's uh, uh, what's it called? Calling happens mm-hmm. and she meets, oh, what's her ancestor's name? Mama, Mama Jova. Mama Jova. Mama Jova. And she gives her this really difficult task of destroying her first love. I'm curious what your interpretations were of destroying first love was because mine, I initially started like, could it have been her first love of cooking? She's very passionate about cooking. Like, does she tell her to get rid of like when she calls her back to finish the task does she say okay take away all my ability to like taste and enjoy food and like I'll give it up for my family and then another one was like okay could it be that she gives up her family she says remove me from the family they're my first love I've always loved them I want to be in this house like basically banish me maybe strip her of her magic or maybe she gets to keep that but has to leave the family And then the other one was like, okay, maybe this has to do with Eden. I was like, does she give up Eden to save the rest of the family? Because in a lot of the impure magic, they talk about like a life, one life or 10 lives for a whole generation or a whole family to survive. Um, So those were my like three guesses throughout. I got to like chapter 20 until chapter 20. So I'm curious to see what you guys thought and then what actually happens and what we think about that. (laughs) Because I can definitely weigh in. I've read enough of the book. To weigh in on what happens. So you're going to get spoilers for the ending. Are you still going to read it after this? Oh, I'm still, I, yeah, I'm planning on reading the second book. Yeah. No, I have homework to do and then I'm finishing this book because it's really good. <laughs> okay. I made a note that I was having trouble buying into the entire premise upon which this book is built of having yeah. to destroy your first love because the entire mm-hmm. interpretation of the family and Voya is I have to kill the first person I fall in love with. But based yeah. on the wording, we all know that's not the case. You said destroy your first love, which can be interpreted, yeah. like you said, many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I I like, is that is that destroying his position within New Gen, his representation? Like you said, your first love can I be many things. It could be that many was things. another thing I thought was to destroy his reputation in his career. Yeah. And then or to destroy Case. I was like, is it to destroy Case's future and keep her trapped in the house with them? Because at one point, Johan is saying like, well, what about Case? She's he's like, well, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you don't understand the challenge. And I was like, well, maybe it has to do with case like they 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 played around a lot with what that meant. Um, And that felt very YA Rico to your point of like the buy in. That's definitely like a young adult. Like I can't decide. Like she also has trouble with decision making. And I was like, your challenge is to learn how to make decisions like God damn it. Can't you see it? Um, like this is obviously what your ancestor is trying to get you to fix. Cause that's why her love died was because she couldn't make a decision. Like, can you not see the parallels? But that's very YA. So yeah. I also know that like we, we have the cognitive functioning skills to yeah. like see beyond that. 
I um, didn't. I didn't think it was to kill because it says destroy. No. I was like, you yeah, don't it doesn't have to kill somebody. So. She would have said, yeah. you have to kill the first person you fall in love with. She would have said that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But even when she told her family what Mama Jova said, they also interpreted it as killing. Yeah. So I was like, I don't. I don't think that's what it means. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I I agree that like, you know, the buy-in, it was tough because it was obviously like, well, it's <laughs> worded in a way that's, you know, like, I don't understand why if you're not going to do everything you can to try to get around this task because, you know, we agree that murder is wrong and then it also like puts your family's entire reputation and therefore livelihood at risk, then I can't understand why you wouldn't do everything you could to try to get around it, including inter- like trying your best to interpret the wording of the task. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but I also, you know, kind of in a meta way was like, look, I get it. This is a YA book. Like you have to, you know, we'll have the revelation at the, you know, near the end of the book. That's like, what if it didn't mean kill that person? So, you know, I kind of was like, I get it. This is part of the, this is part of the book, but it required, I think a little too much suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, where I, I wish that they would have had something else that that made us as the readers go, oh yeah, oh my God, maybe it is to kill this person. Um, but I do think, I also like, I kind of agree with what you were saying, Bella, where for us as the reader, it's so frustrating because it's so obvious that she just has to make a decision, you know, and that the whole point of her task is that she's indecisive and that's what her ancestor wants her to learn. But I also think that I still found it really believable because we all, you know, struggle with shit (laughs) where our friends and family are like, oh, my God, it's so obvious. And I don't know why you can't just figure this out. Right. Yeah. So so, (laughs) there's a particular part where she's talking to Luke and she's talking about um, like helping other people with their problems and how easy it is, but it's so hard for herself. Like I felt that so mm-hmm. deep within me. I was like, it's so true. It's so much easier to be like, Oh, well, like I see all the options and like, this is what I would pick if I was you, because I know you and I know about these things. And somehow it's easier to decide for somebody else when there aren't consequences for you. Um, so I appreciated that um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, as someone yeah. who overthinks every decision, yes. I totally understood where mm-hmm. boy it was coming from. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, as a reader, as as standing outside of this, it's kind of annoying that there's all this drama. <laughs> but it's a YA book. That's that's part it's of the drama. It's a YA book. Yeah, so she's gotta, only 16. Yeah. Like, you yeah. have to – I was like, at 16, I probably – I mean, I applied to, like, 18 different colleges because I could not decide, like, where I wanted to go. <laughs> so, like, I get it. <laughs> Yeah. So that's why I was like, okay, I can see how this is a little bit more believable for the YA group. <laughs> I did make a note also that it, that it said that if she does end up having to kill her first love, I'm giving this book five stars. Because it's not going to happen. There's no way in hell that's, that's what the book is asking. But if that's actually what ends up happening, five stars. Because you, you subverted my expectation. <laughs> and I actually agree. did. I yeah. totally agree with that. It's interesting, too, because I feel like for YA novels, and you've all probably read more YA novels than I have, so feel free to weigh in on this, but I think when you're reading a YA novel, it's, there is the message at the end, it's sort of supposed to communicate to the young reader something about 
you know, life and values mm-hmm. in our society that are important and like how they should conduct themselves. So I was not expecting her to just murder that boy. Uh, but, but I agree that would have been really interesting. But then I did have questions at the end of the book, you know, when she, like when everything kind of unfolds the way that it did, I was like, wait, so what is our takeaway? Like I had some questions about that, right? Because if there is a second book, if that helps at all, I feel like there's a continuation. I'm definitely going to have to read the second book because to get really into spoiler territory, like she, at the end, there's sort of this like, well, you know, why are we caring so much about impure versus pure magic? It doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter, but like there was some moral ambiguity there or like some, some leaning towards, you know. Mm-hmm. I understand that our community shouldn't be divided amongst this, like this moral decision between the witches in our community. But I did feel like there was some waffling about purity versus impurity. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, so we're okay with like torture or murder now? So I was very confused about what the book was saying about that at the end. And I would be curious to to see what happens in the second book, but also to hear what all of you were thinking. Yeah, I'm with you because the the whole idea of oh this these fam- this family's impure because they have to sacrifice somebody. I feel like that that should be a way bigger deal than it was. It's kind of like yeah. oh that 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 family puts their Christmas tree up before Halloween. <laughs> like like it, it, that's not a big deal. It but was, if yeah, a family's that's murdering a big deal somebody, to Rico, folks. So for me, okay. honestly, yeah. But if you're <laughs> if that family is murdering somebody. I wouldn't want to associate with them at all. They're murderers, but they're still mm-hmm. this like, well, that's kind of the way they do things. It's impure. Well, remember, though, that they said that more in more recent times, they don't actually murder them. They just torture them. And then they wipe their memories. And like, Which, I mean, I'm not saying that's better, but I'm also saying that's not murder. Yeah. yeah. Listen, that's and still it, one of the unforgivable curses in Harry Potter. Okay. Wow. No, but I think it's an interesting point about like the in culture. I mean, they're that's just part of their culture. And I think that they're I'm not trying to excuse murder, but I'm just saying that it's yeah, yeah. in the witch culture. And I think yeah. that there are things that we do within our culture that are, you know, objectively fucked up, but that are normalized within our culture that some people do. Sure. Um, you yeah, know. That's fair. That's fair. True. Yeah. I think especially with that they use blood magic, I think it was less shocking to me. Like I was like, oh, this is part of it. I don't know. Maybe I just read a lot of witch books, but <laughs> I was like, oh, just cat. And like, I was like, oh, it's only every two years. Do they do this? Like, it's not like they're doing it every month. Like, come on, people. Like also they're doing. So the other complicated part of that is that these these impure families are still tolerated because the magic that they do benefits everybody else. It's like the impure magic for like a selfless act. And I, I, I found that very interesting. And it kind of made me think of, I mean, it's just a lot of, like you said, Jessely, there are things within our society that are like, you know, considered not like, I don't even want to say illegal, but just frowned upon, right? That you would say like, it's okay for... Like you can smoke weed for cancer patients, but not for someone with insomnia. Like that's, that's not okay for some folks. I'm not saying that's my mm-hmm. personal view, but yeah, there, there's a really interesting, uh, uh, and, and I don't have the words today, but just a very interesting perspective to have like the sort of, um, ah, oh, there's a word, uh, double standard. There we go. <laughs> double standard within this community of like, well, we don't do impure magic. We just benefit from it. And that makes us better. 
it's very hypocritical. It's very like the lack of self-awareness is kind of shocking. And I knew that that would play into the ending as well. I was like, this has to do with like her challenge is questioning like her, her ancestor was very much like, we have to question how we do magic. Why is there just one way? Why isn't it more gray? Why isn't it more open to, you know, folks not being as limited by their gift or their family? And then, you know, um, case how she's like, I don't I want to be more than just a witch. Like, I, I want to work at this company and be an intern and leave the family, but still have my magic. Like, why can't it be both? Um, so that definitely felt really important throughout the book. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I thought it was I think the whole book for me because I'm always again I'm always looking for like what is the message of this book what are they trying to convey and I think it really came down to like there there are more gray areas than we like to pretend that there are oh for sure um, and so I think that was kind of like one of the big themes if not messages of the book was there's gray area and when she ultimately you know makes you know, she has to make a bunch of hard choices, it turns out, and none of them end great. Like, it's, it's, I, I like how the author doesn't intervene to be like, she made this hard choice, but it ended up, it, everything turned out fine. And like, mm -hmm. she made what she thought was a noble choice, you know, like fate interceded to make everything okay. It wasn't like that. It was like, she made this hard choice and she didn't know that it would turn out this way, but shit got fucked up. And like, that's kind of what she talks about and what mama, um, I don't know if it's pronounced Jova or Hoba talks about, but it's like, you, you, you've got to make a choice and sometimes things are going to turn out not great. Or that quote that mama best said, which was, it wasn't, it was better, but it wasn't good. Um, yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought that gray area was a really interesting message within the book or like embracing nuance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so one of my, my questions is going to give, give Bella an actual spoiler now. So that's okay. You, you were um, taught, we were just talking about um, how we interpreted destroy and first love. So we get to the end where Voya does make a decision and so it she she does realize that one of her first loves is Case, which getting back to the whole we're seeing from an outsider perspective, it was so obvious when Johan was talking to her about it. Yeah, I highlighted it and I was like, "Well, there's the answer right there." Um, so yeah, she I didn't pick up on that. That's funny. Boya has to decide between Case and Luke. And she had different reasonings behind each. And she ended up choosing Case. To destroy Case. To yeah. destroy Case. Sorry. She ends up choosing to destroy Case by binding her to the house. I knew it. She cannot leave the house, not even it. go to the yard. She can't use her technology. She can't contact anyone. She literally is only allowed in the house. She can't even do remote work. <laughs> so her reasoning, I think Voya said that Luke has nothing to go to. Whereas Case, she knows Case has the knowledge, the ability, the drive to still make a life for herself, even if she's bound to the house. What did you guys think of that? 
That's so interesting because that is not the choice I would have made. But yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, like I, I mean, if I, if it was between some random person that I don't know that that well that I've known for less than a month, or my family member, I would have chosen to like screw over the person who is not my family member, especially. And this is kind of like. Oppor- not opportunistic of me, but this is kind of like mercenary of me. I would not have chosen to screw over a person that I live with and have to deal with every day. True. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I think if I were Case, like, and I can't remember if she says as much, but if, you know, it's like, why would you choose someone you barely know over, like, Mm-hmm. Like you had a choice between this dude who you barely know and your like your first love, your your like cousin and best friend, and you chose this dude you barely know. Like I would be real pissed about that. So yeah, I I, I got where she was coming from. Of like Luke has nothing. So if I take this away from Luke, he has nothing. However, I think I would have chosen the 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 more open-ended ending which was if i take everything away from luke he has to start from the beginning but there's a whole world still ahead of him like he what he goes from there it's still up in the air he can build himself back up he could do something different he's very intelligent very capable he has all these things so yes you're taking out what he has but he can go anywhere in the world from there Mm -hmm. whereas the other option is case is limited to here the rest of her life I've already decided for her. Yeah. It's not just right now, it's the her entire life is now just her family, these four walls, that's it. And I feel like that's such a worse fate than this other person having to start from nothing. Because yeah, essentially yeah. that's what Luke already did. He already started from nothing. He left his family mm-hmm. home. He came here and and so I I, I don't know. I I thought I felt like even even choosing the person you just met aside, I think she made the wrong choice. I think it, I think it would have made more, choice. It would have yeah. made more sense if she did not include the case cannot communicate outside the house. Yes. That is so weird to me. Yeah. I'm thinking like – How is she going to make a life? I think they could have done yes. a better job of like explaining why she made that choice because like – I could understand it if we reverse engineer it where, you know, Voya's like, okay, I need to destroy her. And to destroy her, I need to sort of obliterate this option she has for her future. And now how do I, how do I do that with magic? I would make it so she could, like, there's no chance that she could get this internship at New Jean. So how would I do that? Okay, well, she can't leave the house. Well, I guess if she leaves the house, she could still do remote work. <laughs> like, is that the reason that she went with? Because I agree, it was such a harsh choice. Mm-hmm. I wish they had explained it a little bit more because it did seem real harsh. But yeah, I, I, I suspect the author had a reason for making it so harsh. Yeah, maybe we'll get a better answer in the second book. Yeah, it, it better be undone or really well explained in the next book because like, cause you're not just destroying her her career, but is she going to be able to meet anybody in the future and start a family if, if, if that's what she wants? How does that work? Like, you can't meet someone unless they come into the house. Like, mm-hmm. and that person now has to live here in the house. Like, obviously, they have no problem all living together. But it's just like so many avenues of Case's life are just shut down now. 
And Jesse, to your point, I didn't even think about it. You have to live with this person now. Mm-hmm. That, no, I, she made the wrong choice. And unless this is really, really well, like, picked up on in the next book and explained away, like, uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of pissed at Zoya. And, and even before then, I was on Zoya's side up until the whole fiasco with uh, Juris. When Mama Jova to here, touch, touch Luke. I'll take the, I'll take the choice away from you. Just touch him. And she decided to touch Luke's friend Juris instead and give him a stroke. And that's when I saw it being on Boya's side because this entire time she didn't want to kill somebody. I don't want to kill somebody. So now you've decided to kill someone else and still have to kill your first love. Like, like, <laughs> I know. I really, I think it was a really great example of like, you know, sometimes you just got to make a fucking decision. And the more you try to put it off, the worse it will get. And she didn't, she, she had a hard time learning that lesson until she finally was like, okay, I get it. I have learned the lesson. And she made a choice that I feel like we don't agree with. Nope. Um, but at least she made a choice. I guess, you know. Well, it, it, yeah. yeah, but it, it's just, it's interesting too because like she knew she lost Luke either way. Yeah. <laughs> so like, why why would you go that direction? You're not going to see him yeah. anymore. She was really bad at making decisions for herself uh, in the first 20 chapters. So this is not at all surprising here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they like basically stamp it on her forehead, you know, in the first like at the during in the beginning yeah. of the book, like I am bad at making decisions, which is fine. That's a fair struggle, especially for a young person to go through. Yeah, but I'm really shocked that at the end of this YA book, the two lovers did not end up together. I'm like really shocked. Yeah. So YA book, I think it, it's expected, but I mean, I think he made the right choice to not stay. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be very problematic. <laughs> Um, we touched on representation already in the non-spoiler, but, um, I just, I wanted to say, I thought that it was really cool how many characters, um, were, were in there. Luke is trans. Mm -hmm. That was my guess. I was right. (laughs) Cool. I didn't get that part. Did you miss that part? (laughs) It was like... Yeah, I think it was when he was like at the desk or something. They mentioned he was trans, but yeah, what? yeah. But that wait, what, so... what chapter was that? Twenty-one. You're not there yet. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Well, because <laughs> no, I don't know what chapter. Because Luke mentioned in the night market or the collective, like that he renamed himself and like when he moved there, and that he'd always felt kind of on the fringes of society in Mexico. But like, still, I was like. I don't remember They're the not book. Saying it. Yeah, I don't remember the book ever saying Luke is trans. Yeah. No, I think they did like when you first see him, but it was so casual that I didn't really. Was it? Talk yeah, it. yeah, then I didn't get I, it at all. Yeah, I yeah. think it was like Voya could like tell or something like that. Yeah, there was a name thing, and there was and there was certain things about like not liking people like looking at his like body, and and there was different there were different references to it, but I don't remember a time where. This oh, okay. Said. Luke is trans, yeah. and, and it, it maybe yeah. did happen. I dismissed it, but yeah, but that but I was think more that, subtle than that. Yeah, and to to Laura's point, like I think that's how the the representation of this book was just incredible that it was done so seamlessly to where, like, it just felt 
innate. We didn't need to specify it. That's really cool. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think Alex, they were a little bit more like on the nose about yeah. her transition. Yeah. But I think that that was more because it was her family. So it was like the history of the family. But even that was like, yeah, when she like decided to tell us that, you know, she was Alex, like we got it. Well, I thought that that was cool that we had we had two trans characters because there is a scene, a brief scene where Alex and Luke talk um, about mm, okay. how. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. So so there's a scene where um, she asks him whether New Jean is going to change some kind of setting or whatever when like when when she's paying for dinner, uh, it shows up with um, it, it basically specifies her as a male. Mm. She was just basically saying those those situations are really uncomfortable. And, mm-hmm. and Luke was like, yeah, humiliating. I've already tried to talk to him about this, basically. Uh, so they kind of like, you know, the, this is just kind of going into how there are, are other things that were not necessarily part of the plot that were still brought into the story. Yeah. That they were brief, but they were still also valid overall. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Um, we find out that Keisha, which actually I think that was one of my questions. Keisha had had been going on dates with other women. So um, I don't think that they mentioned any men. So I'm assuming she only likes women. But it at some like point it, yeah. she labels herself as demi-romantic. Oh, yeah. So like um, I don't. I'm terrible at explaining this sort of thing uh, because I don't like know it from like a textbook, but like it's somebody who doesn't always feel romantic feelings. Like it's on the ace spectrum, I believe. Yeah. It's someone who yeah. needs to um, establish more of a connection with a person mm-hmm. before they can develop romantic feelings. Yeah. Um, like it. the sort of counter to that is demisexual, which is like, again, establishing more of an emotional connection before. Yeah. Okay. Feelings. Cool. Yeah. And so I liked the way that they talked about it in like her her dating context before she was like labeling it. I don't know. I just I, I thought it was done really well to where like if you weren't familiar with it, they were just yeah. really tactful and like yeah empathetic and where um Boya was like, oh, I didn't I didn't know this about her. And like, that's, you know, thank you for sharing and telling me and like, I'm sorry that, you know, you held on to this. But like, you know, I don't think that that's something you should carry on your own. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that was just like really good example of support. Yeah. For well, and I, I liked too when, when Keisha sp- uh, showed Voya that she changed her profile to demi romantic. Um, mm-hmm. She said, maybe that won't always be the right word for me, but it's what fits. Yes. I loved that. Yeah. And I was like, that's amazing because that's, that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is, is that it's normal to kind of, to, to, to change mm-hmm. and and be fluid in in certain situations and like you know I, I liked how that was included and there's I think there's a lot of different lines like that throughout the book um, that just kind of reinforce some of these ideas that it's okay to be whoever you are at the time. Yes. I, I did go through and I tried to see if when they first mentioned Luke, whether or not he's trans. And I don't think they did. I think I just like 
later on when they mentioned that he's trans, I was like, oh yeah, I think they mentioned that before and I forgot, <laughs> but no. Yeah. So. They did it. Re- they did it really well that I think like mm. it was, it just felt like organic. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like ticking a box. Like we need a, you know, trans love interest. We need a trans cousin. Like it just all felt very organic. Mm-hmm. And also what I hope the future is like in 2049. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so, but uh, did they say what city? Oh, ter- or uh, yeah, it's in Canada. Never mind. I just remembered. Yeah, and that is Toronto. Toronto to consider to- they are in like an urban center, right? That's going to be yeah, from totally yeah. And I thought that was interesting too, especially like that. Both of them are people of color, but like Voya in particular, her family is black, and that like the family has come a long way in their like acceptance of like their family members and how society is just like, yeah, it was normal. I'm like, cool. Let's, can that be 2023? <laughs> <laughs> can we just that up? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of all the representation, I'm, I'm really glad we brought it up. I did, I did want to point out that sometimes in the past we have chosen books specifically because they're diverse, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a, an instance where we didn't choose it because of that. This really can't, was a surprise. And, and I was very happy that it was a surprise because I yeah. think it shows that authors now are just, you know, really making the decision to write stories that represent the world around us as it is, right? And it shows that there are so many diverse stories that people can tell that are genuinely good and not just diverse to be woke, you know? Yes. Yep. I think that's a great example of like, I feel like there was a good time period in the last like few years mm-hmm. and it like really like peak 2020. Um, And I think we're kind of coming out of it where we no longer just want representation for the sake of representation. It's not enough to just be like, I have a queer character. I have a black character. I have, you know, a Latino, Latina character. Uh, What else are we missing? What else are we missing people? Like, it doesn't feel like this hodgepodge stew of characters. It's just these are diverse stories exist as they are in the world. And it's not that hard to make them happen. And not that hard to like put them in the spotlight and not capitalize on them or, Mm -hmm. you know, not commodify them in a way. And so I think this author did a really good job of just being like, if you are interested in my story, you will naturally like that I just organically created this tale and these people. And like, I'm not forcing anyone into any sort of misshapen peg, right? Like it's, this is who they were. I cut the story out from my brain and this is who came out. I'm not trying to do anything here. It's not performative. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that a lot. It definitely was like, oh, hey, I like this. This is very good. <laughs> to where I was like, oh, Luke, yeah, Luke was trans. Okay, everyone else had that interpretation. Like, But it also didn't feel like it was something you were going to miss. But like, it just was nice. I don't know. It felt good. This, these are the right people for this book. We have the demographic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was cool too because the author, Lizelle Sanbury, like she's Trinidadian and Canadian. And so it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, she spent so much time in the book talking about food. The the culture, yeah. Oh, like food in particular, right? Mm -hmm. Because the main character, Boya, was, you know, like a a cook. And it was a lot of food. There were times when I was like, is this really, this is not really important to the story, but I'm okay with that because I I love food. You know, it's clear that like the author, like infuse her culture into the book in like a really loving way, even when it like necessary. And, and not just Trinidadian food, but like um, yeah. poutine. Yeah, poutine. who else poutine wanted Canadian? pizza poutine? 
Who wanted pizza poutine? Absolutely, I'm absolutely. Gonna... Rico, I'm going to make it next time we have a shit we read meeting. I will make vegan pizza poutine. Hell okay? yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that sounded so yeah. good. Speaking of representation, there were two vegans in the in this. That, I uh, wondered how you guys felt about that. The jackfruit curry. I was like, Rico's drooling out there. The spicy. Which one's spicier? Tell me more. <laughs> and they also said it was Indian food. Like there's a lot of there's a mention oh of God, Indian yeah. food and yeah. and um I think was it Mexican food as well because I don't remember. Yeah, there's just like, a lot of mention of food of many different cultures, and that's funny because when we talk about representation, we talk about oh they talked about people like, of different tea. yeah, but like yeah. So I think so much of culture is wrapped up in food, right? So much culture identity is the dishes they make. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that was brought into the book very prominently. Um, this made me happy. Like it was, it was like unintended, but like kind of soul food. Like is this, it was yeah. nice reading about this because it made it feel real. Like it made the families feel real because food Wait. is so, so integral to a lot of families. Okay, so speaking of that, the whole like co- food is culture, culture is food. There, there's a moment where Voya and Luke are talking about their cultures, mm-hmm. and Luke asks Voya, like, "Have you ever been to Trinidad?" And she's like, actually, you know, I haven't. Like, all I know is, like, what my family tells me and, like, the food that we eat and, like, you know, our heritage, the almanac. And I was like, I think that's so important that, one, the author waited that long to tell us that. Um, Because I think that's often, like, the first thing that people ask is, like, well, have you ever been to Mexico? Or, like, have you ever been there? And that somehow validates your identity. And to, to not make that a bigger discussion, to just make it part of like the getting to know you, diving in deeper, but it's not something that validates that relationship in any way was really cool. I just really appreciated that because like as someone who doesn't know their family, um, like I don't see myself as any less Mexican for that um, because of food, because of culture, music, you know, the other things that make up more than just like, have you been to that place? Um, yeah, that was really cool. I appreciated that. Yeah. There's a lot of emphasis on like culture is like stories, the history, the food, the celebrations, like traditions. Well, it's cool how they started off the book talking a lot about, you know, like with the development of, and I almost wish they had dived into this a little bit more, but like with the development, it was almost like later stage capitalism. They were talking about like how hard it is to get into an internship. And they kind of wove that into the conversation of like Mm -hmm. class is part of, like that's a classist question to ask someone like, oh, well, is your your identity valid because you've been able to like afford going to your country depending on how far away right like so they wove that class issue a lot into the story which I thought was really interesting I almost wish they had dived into it more because I was like I was like what is everyone doing for a living in this like futuristic society is everyone just interning for new gene like I don't know I think I I wanted more clarification Mm, yeah I actually did too I think uh, that's a good point I had a thought of where because Boya visits Eugen and sees Luke and Luke is like, hey, you should go talk to the person who runs the cafe. Like he also has an internship. I was like, I feel like in now times, if you wanted to be a chef, like you wouldn't get an internship. Like you would go like start off as like a busboy or a dishwasher when you're like 16 and like kind of work your way through the kitchen. Like what's the internship structure? This feels different. This feels a little bit more like you said, late stage capitalism, like some bureaucracy, even in like the entry level job. Cause they're all like 16, 17, like her cousins aren't that 
old, like internships. I, I mean, I did internships when I was in high school, but they were all like, you know, volunteer. No one was getting paid. No one had on-site living apartments, you know, like it, it, I don't know, even the way they did school was different. It was very curious, like how that all played in, like what the new sort of projection career projections were, how, how you had a career and what the career options were. I was interested in that world. Um, I wish they had kind of spent more time explaining that, but I know the witch, the witch and the families, the covens were very important. So, you know, we were, we were more here for that, but I was interested. Maybe that's the second book. We'll learn more. I, uh, I wanted to ask you, why do we think this book took place in the future? Could this story have taken place now? What was the actual reason it needed to be in the future? And do we think it's because it allowed the author to tell of a society that's different than we're used to? I, I think so, but I'm curious what other people think. Uh, can you explain your reasoning? Because that's a really good question. So sort of like the whole suspended disbelief of how we were like, of course, it's not your first love, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I think it allowed us to get out of our own heads to be like, well, this never could, this technology doesn't exist in 2025. Like, we're only three years away from that. I think that we needed to have some of that distance to be able to stay, sustain disbelief and have more imagination when it came to this plot, because I think this was all very experimental. I mean, a lot of how she finds out about the family and the challenge is like through genetics and like gene sequencing, which like not everyone has access to now. Whereas they're saying like, oh, everyone has their gene sequence. Like, I mean, there's different levels to it. Again, the class component of like, we didn't get the fancy schmancy kind, but like we have it done and it's in our almanac. Um, so it did feel like you could have had this story nowadays or even in the past, but it would not have been the same level this i don't think it would have happened the same way with like specifically the genes the almanac the the hacking we wouldn't have bought into it as much if it was yeah i don't think we could have yeah i mean i think it would have had to be in a different planet or a different like dimension for it to happen in 2022 or 2025 even 2030 and like we had a hard time thinking 2049 was possible you know, like you guys thought it was way later, like way more in the future. Um, so for it only to be like 30 years ahead, I still think felt pretty like a little bit of a stretch. But um, yeah, I just think that for that story, for some of the points of it to be true, the, the, the tools that they use to kind of figure out the mystery, but um, the magic, the like basic premise, I think could have happened at any point. But I appreciated that she kind of wove in that sci-fi Um, Because I don't think that's been done a lot either. Um, I think that needed to happen in the future. Yeah, because in this this book, he was, um, we find out that uh, Justin Tremblay, was Mm -hmm. his name, was um, working with her aunt to uh, do, was it gene modification or something Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. And at the same time was also doing research, finding like they, they, they discover that there is an actual like genetic marker for magic. Um, and, and so that was, that was also really interesting to me how they were able to, to actually show magic and science meeting and, and showing that genetically witches are different. Um, I don't know that that would have been able to been explained very well if it were in the present. Well, magic right. is just science we don't understand yet. 
I agree. Which is exactly why it makes okay. sense that it would be in the future. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's interesting, though. It does make me wonder, like, you know, because there's like a lot on the table still for that. You know, Luke has been shown that there is a genetic sequence for magic. Like there's a component to your genes that, you know, what if you could replicate that in a non-magic person? Wouldn't the person want that? Like, it just makes me think about the sequel. I was going to say Luke's origin story, question mark. Yeah, right. We've seen that Luke. Villain origin story happening. Second book. (laughs) The evil is Luke, which makes me really sad because I liked Luke. Already speaking about him in the past tense. (laughs) I don't know what happens in the second book, y'all, but I'm worried now. Okay, so I had a question. So Luke comes to Voya at her cooking competition thing and basically says, Justin thinks that there's magic and blah, 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 and you should stop wearing that monitor. And she was like, I'm not going to stop wearing this monitor. I need to get paid. And then goes on and like. Wait, but that was like a whole thing at the beginning of the book where her grandma was like, please make sure that they are not yes. tracking your neurotransmitters because we do have biological differences in right. us that technology can detect and they will try to figure out what that is. But, so again, bad decisions. But so, well, she investigates it and they say, oh, no, this is this is what it's tracking. Yeah. And you're fine. So you're safe. Yeah. But what happens was. Voya tries to kill Luke during one of her hallucinations. So he takes off. I knew that was going to happen too. And and so like she's surprised that he shows up at this cooking competition. And that's where he says, oh, Justin told me everything. He thinks that there's magic and this and that. And whatever he wants, whatever he's looking for, he's going to get it. He's going to get it basically through that monitor. You need to stop wearing it. And then they go on as if Luke never said anything. And I was like, how, how are they not like freaking out that they know now that Justin is investigating them again for magic and they know that there might be something to do with the monitor, yet they're acting like nothing's happened. Did it? Yeah. That's a really good question. Like, I thought that whole scene actually, like, I was that 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 scene where he showed up at the cooking competition. I was like, weird. what is this? It was a, a little, little weird. It was a little weird because I was like, why would you show up and talk to someone who tried to stab you with right. a knife? That was yeah. a little strange. Why are you so nonchalant about this? Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to read that. <laughs> sounds very silly. <laughs> well, I'm just surprised, like, okay, maybe she doesn't think it's a big issue, but I feel like her family would have been like, oh, shit, Justin's talking about magic. Gotta I, do something about it. I, I just assume that the family was so wrapped up in um, Voya's calling, like, and, and this, and this, um, what's the term they used? Uh, whatever the challenge she had to do, the... I, th- I thought they were just so caught up in her having to kill her first love that everything else they were just losing track of. Yeah, yeah, because it, it was it did happen like right after the whole like she got whipped by the magic, and then immediately after that the stabbing happened, and or the stabbing almost happened, and her dad got hurt, and like her dad and. Priya were fighting and she like slept for like a day or whatever. So that all happened at that time. So maybe, yeah, maybe like that, that is the best 
yeah. that is the best theory I could I could yeah get into for why they were like it's fine <laughs> they're like this is <laughs> like Justin Tremblay tracking my potential magic is the least of my concern at the moment yeah okay I don't know but I mean I think that's kind of like it's not the strongest um, right and also I mean the, the, there's the the whole concept of they might lose their magic anyway soon yeah why does, it, why does it matter if they're tracking our magic if we might lose it all yeah maybe it was well, like something family. at a time yeah family took that in their own hands and that was pointless Oh, God, that pissed me off so much. But also, I was like, Voya, how are you not picking up on the fact that they're, like, obviously doing an impure ritual right now? Like, they're like, don't, um, don't come to the, th it's very important that you stay away from the thing. And so all of us adults and Eden are going to go real quick, but don't, don't come in, don't worry about it. We'll see you later. And our phones are going to be off for an indeterminate amount of time. And we're going to see Johan. Anyway, bye. I was like, Voya. <laughs> I've said multiple times that one of my biggest pet peeves is is not giving kids all the information in books, and yes. there's so much drama coming out of just that. Like if you tell yeah. if you told kids certain things, a lot of drama is just gone. And and there is a couple of moments in this book where that happened, including this of like tell Voya that you have a plan, right? Um, and even Mama Jova, like Mama Jova, not giving Voya all the information for the task. Like and I get. The whole point was she has to make a decision, but give her all the information, Mama Jova. Make her make yeah. a decision with all the information at hand. Um, yeah, anyhow, so. Well, and I think that also, even even though it was it was Voya's task, she needed to learn to make a decision. You know, she kind of touched on the fact that it was also kind of it also was kind of for her family because her family just left Elaine to figure shit out on her own. And they still did the same thing with Voya. Yeah. And I wonder if book two will fix that. Sorry. Maybe. Toxic. Maybe. Maybe. I think. Book two will fix everything. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe. But but I would be, I would also be okay if they didn't fix it, you know, because I feel like oh. consequent, like actions have consequences. And that seems to be something that this author is leaning into. And I respect mm. that about about this storyline but it is a YA novel so I don't know but yeah. that is I thought that was an interesting example of like you know losing the forest for the trees her family is like yeah we gotta we gotta intervene you know even though if you zoom out it's like no what, what are you doing no don't intervene it's clearly she needs to do this on her own and that's the whole point um but I don't know yeah yeah, that pissed me off that they intervened. I was like, no, don't. But also, like, a little girl's life was at stake, so. True. <laughs> okay, I have I have one, one quick gripe. Mm -hmm. I did not like the curse word replacements. No? <laughs> you didn't? Did not like it. I thought they Hacked were cute. And sparked. It was so liked, weird, especially listening to the audiobook, because the author would say it like she was saying, fuck. <laughs> I'm just like, this sounds so weird. But then also they're using the word hacked to also mean hacking into a computer and systems. So it was just really weird. Here's mm. what I was wondering. I was wondering if she like wrote in fuck in every one of those instances where she wrote in hacked and the editors were like, you cannot market this as a YA book if you have fuck 
in the book this often. You need to replace this. And she was like, no. And they were like, you have to do this. I was wondering if that was the case. Don't know. I didn't mind it. I, I, there's something I about about authors making the YA own authors love to do that. Well, not even just okay YA, but like, like, what was that, Laura? I'm okay. I'm okay with authors doing that. It's just, it also depends on the words. I, I just yeah. did not like, specifically, I didn't like hacked. I, I kind of was okay with sparked. That kind of made it a little bit more sense to me, but it felt weird being hacked. Well, when you get hacked, you get fucked over. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't know. (laughs) Hack you. Hack you and not liking it, you know? Well, they used it in, like, hack me. Like, fuck. You know, like. It sounds like they're saying, like, hacking, like, coughing. (laughs) I think think it's funny. I can see that. I can see that. I think it's, like, far-fetched for me to think that anyone would want to replace the word fuck with anything because it's just a great word, you know? Like, <laughs> fuck ain't going nowhere. <laughs> fuck is not going anywhere. Like, 30 year, how much was it? 2049? Like, 20 years? So, but also, yeah, I agree that why novels love to write new slang. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, a sci-fi novel, they love writing new slang. So. I love it. I like uh, Sparked. Like, I kind of wanted to use Sparked. After reading this, the also, um, no hype. Which book series? The Maze Runner series. Oh, that gets that that series got bad reviews for the, for the <laughs> words that he used to replace it. It was like the yeah. Ugly's series too. Ugly's pretty specials. They had. Mm. Oh, I read those too. Yeah, bubbly. This, yeah, the Cinders or the Lunar Chronicles uh, mm-hmm. also did that. They had a lot of their own slang. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, last, I don't know about you guys, but last on my list to, to bring up was that they called her gift two gifts. I didn't really fully understand what her gift was exactly and why it's considered two. I don't, I don't know either. Jason, you kind of explained it <laughs> to me. <laughs> I was trying, yeah, because I, I, when I went through it and it said two gifts, I'm like, oh, did I miss something? I felt like it was just one gift. <laughs> my understanding, and I could be wrong. I don't necessarily agree with it, but this is what I think it is. I think it's the fact that one gift is she can, like, see the past and what led to now. So that is officially one gift. And her second gift is when she makes a decision, she can see where the future would have led if it, if she didn't make that decision. I knew that was going to So be she can game. see timelines. Basically, yeah, yeah. This, she can see timelines, which in my mind is just one power. You have you have the power to see alternate timelines, like on a technicality. Yeah, the, the wording was weird because yeah. I think the author said something about um, change changing the present. If you change the present, blah 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 blah. But I I don't think changing the present is a thing. Yeah. The present is always present. Anything you do is the present. If I lift my left hand. I didn't change the present. I just lifted my left hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the wording was weird and tried to make it more special than it really was. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I mean, that's my understanding is, is you can see where you've come from. You can see where you may have gone. That's just one power, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too because I was like, so wait, does she have to like – she can only see what the future would have been if she had chosen a different – thing like or like if she does something 
if she makes a choice, then she can see what the future would have been like. That's my understanding. Yeah. Chosen a different thing. Like that seems kind of, that's kind of hacked. (laughs) 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 Oh my. It's a weird weird power. Like I would have liked the fact that I would have liked it if it was more, I can see two timelines and then I could choose. That's, that's a cooler power, but I don't know. I'm trying to remember exactly how, like, because the, there was that scene at the end um, where I'm blanking on her name. Her friend that was missing, her mom. Lauren. Lauren, yeah. Lauren's mom came to her and wanted to see what had happened to her. So maybe they are considering it, too, because she can see and share the past. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, I'm trying look, to that that kind of makes sense really- to me. Like one is like what happened and one is what could happen. So like one's a little bit more definitive, the other's like still pretty changeable, I guess. Like you can kind of change your future if you knew what decision led to something. Is it like Dr. Fate? <laughs> tell me. I don't know. I give you the gifts of the past and the future. Our past creates our future, and you are at a point in the present that could pivot and change a life. I'm like, what are the words that they actually said? This is so typical of me, is to be like, let's go back to the text. Oh, no. I tried. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I just thought it was really weird, but yeah, yeah. I also thought maybe I missed it because I was I was listening to the audiobook, and then they said two gifts. And I was like, yeah, this is where audiobooks what? get tricky. Mm-hmm. I backed up a little bit, didn't yeah. didn't notice anything different. And so then I messaged Jason. <laughs> and I was like, did you finish it? Because I have this question. And I was like, bring it up in the episode because I do not have an answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a little bit more sense talking it through. But yeah, I, I would still consider that like one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just. But whatever. Just like on a technicality. <laughs> technicality it's like you can also just say that her she can see times that are not the present yeah (laughs) but that sounds less that doesn't that doesn't sound good doesn't roll off the tongue (laughs) all right anything else we wanted to talk about uh i just wanted to point out probably my favorite line in the book because it's the author throwing shade to other magical books and the line is, with witches, real witches, there are no Latin phrases or wand waving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, right, I that's did. how you really feel about these other books. Wow. Right? Yeah, I did appreciate that. It's all about it, blood and intent. Yeah. Blood yeah. And yeah, I really, I'm, I, I'm like, when you were rereading the synopsis, I was like, this is kind of misleading. Because it says, Voy is cut between her morality and her duty to her bloodline. If she wants to save their heritage and Luke, she'll have to find something her ancestor wants more than blood. And I'm like, that's not what happened, though, is it? She didn't, like, find something. That makes it sound like she had to, like, bargain with her ancestor. But that's not really what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I find that these synopsis, like, now that we've read a lot of books on this podcast, I find that the synopsis is often very, very wrong. <laughs> like, it never matches the book completely. Mm. Oh. Good point. That's a good point. Yeah. It's definitely like someone in PR was like, look, 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 look. 
I know how to sell books. <laughs> it's just like, okay, <laughs> but that's not the story. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so I always wonder how much influence the authors have over the synopsis and how much of it they just like hope gets translated by somebody in PR. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. In the marketing team. They did talk a little bit, a little bit too about like near the end at the Caravana um, festival or whatever the event is called, they do talk about police brutality. And I thought that was interesting because I had similar feelings. I was like, is it like in the future, seems like racism is over. <laughs> it's not that far away, but they did kind of give us more of a glimpse into it at that point. I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah. There's actually um in the, in the beginning of the book, there's kind of a content warning. Mm-hmm. Where she basically just says, you know, it's this book is not about this, but there are, you know, things about racism and slavery and, and things like that in this book. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a, a warning for anyone who may be s- sensitive to those topics. Um, so I think I think it was great. Uh, it was a great balance between, you know, the storyline itself um, and and still also touching on on the struggles of, of racism and, and whatnot. So it didn't feel like, you know, just in the, in your face kind of thing, but it was very much still part of the story. So, all right. So blood like magic on Goodreads is rated at 4.02 out of uh, roughly 4,300 ratings. So our rating system for the show is, did you think this book was shit or the shit? Jessely, last time you didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> last time I was like, this book is shit, but th- this time this book is the shit. I really enjoyed it. I, fi- I felt really captivated by it. I think there were there were weaker points in the book, but I loved the casual representation. I loved the lore of the book. I did feel really invested in um, the protagonist's journey, and I, I really enjoyed the message of the book. And I, I also felt really, I like a book that kind of makes me think, which I think for a YA book, you know, that's not always the outcome. It's like, ah, oh, yes, it's another, a pretty straightforward, like, moral conundrum yeah. you know with a pretty straightforward moral outcome and message but i i thought that this one was was you know makes you think a little bit more um and i i find myself wanting to pick up the next book so yeah this book was the shit nice <laughs> i don't feel like you can casually say it i feel like you have to just like get- you got to you got to own it you yeah we've it. we've made it very binary mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like you either have to love it or hate it. Well, we have we have guests that have been like, I'm gonna give this a three point five nine. Nope. Am I not just saying? Do you like it or do you not like it? Let's just <laughs> binary, not a spectrum. Um, Jason. Oh, this book is the shit for sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed this book. Could you have said that any more douchey? Probably. Probably could have. I'm going to challenge you next time. I want to hear it more douchey the next time you like a book. Right. <laughs> that was incredible. Oh, I don't I want to. throw it in a bra in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Bella? 
I thought this book was the shit, and I'm excited to finish it, and I'm excited to read the next book. So I want to know what happens if we redeem Luke or if Luke is just gone forever because I really like Maybe, him. Maybe Voya will make better decisions. Mm, questionable. She's still 60. That was true. <laughs> Man. Uh, right? Well, That's I a- also think this book is the shit. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> All around. I almost did that. I was like, oh, I do. Yeah. Rico, this is why you need a soundboard, okay? <laughs> I just do everything in post. I'll be your soundboard. I will volunteer Perfect. to be your soundboard. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You need a sound? That's, <laughs> That's on my list to get eventually. <laughs> got me. Cool. So we all think this is a good book. Definitely recommend it. Anybody who likes urban fantasies. Um, it was definitely a YA book, but like you guys mentioned, it, it did have topics and, and whatnot in there that don't necessarily see very often in a young adult book. So, um, before we wrap up, um, what is the shit we're reading next? I'm going to be reading Her Soul to Take by Harley LaRue. That's next up because mm-hmm. that's going to be our next After Dark book. So, yeah, I'm excited to read that one, I think. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. We'll see. I also need to read that book. I'm going to start it today, I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that I finish in time. Yeah. Same. And then finish the Reluctant Royals series because it's it's fun so far. So yeah. just keep it light. Keep it manageable mm. till the holidays are over. It's probably a good plan. Reluctant yeah. Royals. Jessely, are you planning to read anything after this? I'm sorry, my dog was reverse sneezing like very loud. <laughs> he's he's making sure that my arm is moist, so that's nice. Thank you. Um, I will probably read this next book. Yeah, yeah, I I will read it and report back. But I have to say that being a guest on these podcasts has really just like it, it makes me take my reading up several notches because I'm not as avid a reader as all of you. So. <laughs> It's a good job of reading. It's just that video games exist. So, yeah, fair enough. That's fair. Phases. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. I'm glad we gave you the push to read. That's that's why we do it. Just hear people read a book. <laughs> that's please. why we're here. This is why we're here. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. Single handedly keeping local bookstores yeah. alive. Oh, well, shit. Well. Barnes and Noble. My bad. And Barnes and Noble. You know what? They're a local bookstore now compared to Amazon. So, hmm. <laughs> Laura, what's next for you? I I am also reading her soul to take for the next after dark episode. Um, yeah, that's gonna be interesting. So anybody who's listening to those, tune in next time. Uh, <laughs> which I also I don't remember if we brought it up last time, but um, Jessely actually did the opening for our after dark episodes. <laughs> Yes, I the did. Sex <laughs> yeah, I was almost going to bring that up when you said you heard her last. I'm like, well, people have heard her. You've heard me more. Other, the other time. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's my sexy, <laughs> sultry voice. Yeah. <laughs> we love it. it. I think it's great. I love okay. that. Yeah, I think we talked about it, but I didn't really like follow up on that. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, thank you for. <laughs> Joining us in spirit on the episodes. It was my pleasure. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad you did that because I did a scratch track for that and it was so bad. So I'm glad that it's your voice yeah. and not mine. I didn't even try. Uh, <laughs> well, we should probably wrap this up then. Um, uh, if any of our listeners have read 
Blood Like Magic. We would love to know what you guys thought of it. Um, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So let us know your thoughts. Um, if there's any other recommendations, something similar, something that did it better, let us know. We're always interested. Jessely, it was very nice to have you on with us again. We'll have to have you back. I would love that. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Is there any any anything that you want to plug? Any social media? Any events? Yes. So I on December. What what when does this episode come out? End of this month on the thirtieth. Sweet. I have a show on December 2nd. It is called Capital Punishment. Emphasis on the pun. It's a pun competition. Uh, It's taking place at Luna's Cafe at 7.30 p.m. And it is basically a pun off. And um, yeah, so I'm dusting off my pun skills to to do this. (laughs) That's incredible. Jason, this sounds like your event. I know. I love puns. Yeah. December 2nd, you said? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sending this to Z as well, our other guest host who loves puns. Perfect. I have yeah. a couple pun games that no one ever wants to play with me. I will totally play the pun games with you. What are the pun? What what are they? <laughs> One's Punderdome. It's called Punderdome three thousand, I believe, and the other one is I'm blanking on the other one, but I'll share with you later. Yeah, please do. <laughs> cool. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> well, it sounds like we might be there. <laughs> yes, that sounds fun though. It does. I know. I'm like sent it out to my whole group. Oh, fuck. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> There's only like 10 of us. <laughs> it's a good amount. My, my, my uh, profile pic on my works website is me with a shirt that says, I prefer my puns intended. That's right. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, for our listeners, thank you for uh, hanging out with us for this episode. We will be back next month talking about the book Iron Widow by Zhang Jie Xiao. I think is how you say it. Did I say it right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll <laughs> I'll fix it in um, post. We will also have a new guest host for that episode. We'll be welcoming Amy Kalmbach. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be that'll be a cool episode too. Well, thanks again, Jessalee, and um, we will. I, w- I will talk to you guys all another time. <laughs> that sounded weird. Thanks for joining us, guys. Was that a threat? I know. It's kind of scary. <laughs> Bye. 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 Shit We've Read is hosted by Laura Benson, Jason Rico, and Bella Romero, with music by Joshua Chilton and editing by Jason Rico. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information about us or to request transcripts, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.